Women Who Launch and Lead, the podcast for women ready to change the world by women who are changing the world. Listen in each week on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Breaker, or Stitcher as we connect with women making it happen in life, business, and career. Relate to their struggles, learn their strategies, and celebrate their successes. Then show your love by subscribing and leaving a review. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharita Weatherspoon. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Sharita Weatherspoon, and we are here again for another episode of Women Who Launch and Lead. And today we have with us Michelle Taylor, who is the president and CEO of United Way of Delaware. We're so excited to have you here with us, Michelle. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we're going to jump right into this interview. And I have to tell you that um, the first time... um, I was kind of introduced to you, but not one-on-one, but you were introduced in front of a group of people at an event. And they said, you know, who you were and what you did, you know, president and CEO of United Way of Delaware. And I was so impressed. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I didn't know anyone who was president and CEO of an organization like United Way. I knew a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs who were, you know, CEO and founder of their own businesses, um, but no one who ran an organization like this who was kind of in arm's reach to me. Um, so I was really impressed and I don't, I don't even know why I just shared that, but I wanted you to know <laughs> that I was. <laughs> Um, so it's actually uh, really an honor to have you here um, engaging in this conversation with me and sharing from your experience with our listeners, um, you know, about your career and, you know, who you are, what you do, um, and things that you've experienced and learned over the years that they'll be able to draw some lessons out of to help them um, either in their lives, businesses, or careers. So first, I'd like to ask you uh, to share with us more about you, um, not just the work that you do, but you know who you are, who Michelle Taylor is, and then also how you're impacting the world. Oh, thanks. So I am, you know, I, I say first and and foremost of who I am. Right, I'm a child of God. I'm a I'm a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister. I wear so many hats, right, and. I also lead an amazing organization and get to work with some amazing colleagues, both within the organization, but also in the community every day that are really able to align both what I would call our calling, right? Most people who work for nonprofits and those that specifically lead them usually are connected to the mission. And it's more than, it's not a job. It really is about what are we called to do? It's generally more of a mission. It's, I get to um, come to in every day um, where I say that both my personal life and my professional life are one. 
And so I wake up every day getting to think about how can I be someone's miracle? How can I lean in with and influence others and inspire others to um, work collectively to drive change in the community so that everyone can realize their full potential? And I get to do that with a like-minded individuals for the most part that are all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to do good. And while we may be doing it sometimes in our silos and we could sometimes work better collectively, um, really at the end of the day, and I think the COVID-19 crisis is a good example of it, that we can pull together, we do pull together, and there's so, we're so much more alike than we are different. Yes, absolutely. I, I love what you said about um, waking up and asking yourself, how can you be someone's miracle today? I think that is a, just a powerful mindset to have about the work that you're doing, regardless of the type of work that it is. So you're not being just, you know, solely focused on you and kind of what you're getting out of the work, but really how can you get back to someone else? How can you impact someone else's life? How can you bring transformation into the, the lives of people who are seeking transformation? So that was really powerful in and of itself. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah, and I think it's not, sorry, I don't think, and, and it's, so it's externally, but I also think that when we get placed in these leadership positions, you know, we have the opportunity to influence change. And so how can I also help other people who I particularly, I work with, how can I help them to have greater balance? How can I help them to show up as their authentic self every day? How can I help them to navigate um, between their professional and their personal? And so I seek to try to do that too. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, not perfect at it by any means, but I think there's generally opportunities that we can, you know, do particularly if you can change policies, if you can think about the impact that your procedures or guidelines have on your colleagues, you know, I, I try to lean into, you know, as much as I can, um, thinking about particularly um, putting myself in their shoes. Mm, I, I like hearing that because um, what I found in a lot of leaders, um, is they're good at what they do in terms of skill set, but they oftentimes lack some skills on the people side. And when corporations, organizations fail to recognize the value of their people and the impact that their people actually have on the success of the organization, um, you begin to see these cultural, you know, shifts happen. Um, and I often don't hear leaders talk like you talk. A lot of times the focus is on numbers. It's on production. Um, you know, what's the revenue? What's the profit? You know, they're looking at productivity and efficiencies and things like that. But all of that boils down to people. <laughs> you don't Absolutely. get those things without people being involved in that. And, you know, sometimes I think it, it's, it's very easy to get um, caught up in policies and procedures um, 
that you forget about the people impacted and involved in those things, whether it's, you know, how this thing is actually going to impact the work of, of your people. Um, but then also use the words leaning in, you know, how does this actually work? Because sometimes you think things will work a certain way, but the people on the ground doing it know it will not work that way. But where's the communication that exists, the relationship that exists to a that will even allow the communication to occur that will help the organization to accomplish what it wants to accomplish um, while recognizing the impact of it on its people. So I think that's really important, especially given the work that you do in the organization that you're working with, of course. Um, but it's refreshing to, to hear you speaking like you're speaking because um, I, just in my own experiences and organizations that I've worked with that valuing of people, not just the people you're serving as clients and customers, but the people within your organization. Um, I found it to be lacking that it's almost as if once you reach a certain level, you just don't even think about that anymore. But um, I, it's, it's great that, cause obviously I know if you're thinking about it, other people in your organization are thinking about it. So it, kind of restores some uh, some belief in the humanity of leadership. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> and, you know, and I will say this right now, Echo, that, you know, I think there are, you know, I'm fortunate to have a lot of great people serve on my board who are leading organizations. And so I, I see firsthand their, their heart for their people and their talent and so they're coaching and mentoring to me. You know, I, I think we're always in a state of becoming. So I think it's bigger out there than what you think. And actually, it was one of my um, board chairs who told me this a few years ago, um, probably when I first got this role as president and CEO, and we were having some business conversations or strategy conversation. And he reminded me afterwards, he said, you know, we're not in the financial sector business, right? We're not in, in manufacturing. We're not building widgets. He was like, you're in the people business. Mm -hmm. And so don't ever lose track of that. And that stuck with me, mm -hmm. right? So I try to keep the people, um, the community at the heart of every decision I make. And I also try to keep my team and talent. You know, I think most leaders realize you're only as good as the people who work with you and for you. And so um, trying to keep them at the heart of every decision. I will say, as you know it yourself, sometimes as leaders, we have to make tough decisions. And so I don't think always people, um, are, my, my colleagues included, right, really understand the magnitude of the responsibility that comes with leadership, right? And so if we also aren't in the people-pleasing business, right, mm -hmm. um, but yet we are keeping them at the center and trying to make them a priority. There's this fine line mm -hmm. and sometimes it's received well and sometimes it's misunderstood. Right. Right. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Now let's talk a little bit about um, how you got started on this path and made your way to president and CEO. Yeah, I think the quick skinny is, I always say, you know, you have a plan, God has a better plan. Mm -hmm. um, so I was fortunate, I stumbled into nonprofit right out of college. 
And so I worked for an organization for over nine years, a healthcare nonprofit organization. I then, as, and my background is accounting. So I, st I was a treasury manager. And then after nine years for me, I needed a balance between work and home and, you know, something about having a wife and, and being a wife and three kids that keeping up with the rat race was extremely difficult. So I consciously made a decision. Um, I was trying, I was being active in church. My kids were in little league and dance classes and all this other stuff. And so I switched um, jobs intentionally, not because I didn't love what I did. I love the organization. I love the people. I love the work, but it just didn't fit in with my um, lifestyle anymore. Mm -hmm. And so consciously I shifted because my family was a bigger priority for me. And I was fortunate to land at Delaware Hospice and, and be the chief financial officer for them for almost six years. And it was, gave me great balance and um, it was close to home and it was just what I needed for that time and that season. But for 15 years, nonprofit accounting, I decided that maybe I shouldn't put myself in a box. And I was fortunate enough to be hired by United Way of Delaware as their CFO. And it allowed me to still stay in nonprofits and to be able to still lead and serve. But I had a much broader array of the total health and human service. And um, from the here, you know, I came in United Way and at a great time. It, you know, it was like 2000, the economy was great. Um, the, the, the money was good. There was growth all over the place. Great organizations like MBNA and Always DuPont, right, that served our community well. And really my job was to help to keep up with the growth. And as a part of that, I got promoted one year in as chief operating officer. And during that time frame, the economy plummeted. We had to pivot. I was working with the board. And ultimately, I got promoted to president and CEO. And I, I tell people, I didn't aspire necessarily for president and CEO. I, I didn't aspire to be chief operating officer. I always felt like somebody saw something in me that maybe I didn't see in myself. Yeah, I was so grateful for my predecessor that saw something in me and gave me the opportunity, you know, and made me the chief operating officer. So I expanded my breadth, my responsibilities. He trusted me to lead and empower me and supported me. And that ultimately led to my, to this position as president and CEO. And I would say the same thing right here. I just have an amazing board that's allowed me to grow and take risks and to be able to pivot as we needed to pivot. And so I think, you know, my, my feedback ultimately was I was in the right place at the right time, but I also was doing the work and people recognized the qualities and, and the characteristics um, of a great leader. Mm, good, good. So there was something that you stated in sharing your story that stood out to me um, that I think is important for our listeners to hear. Um, you made a shift, an intentional shift to support the priorities in your life. And that shift ultimately led you down this path into becoming president and CEO. And what I think is important about that is that sometimes we may be enjoying what we're doing um, and it may be in, in alignment with what your purpose is, but recognizing that your purpose can show up or manifest in multiple ways. If that thing is still conflicting with what more important priorities are in case in your case it was you know your family and how 
um, you wanted your family to exist as a unit in this world, sometimes we have to take a step off the path that we're on, onto another path, and trust that the decision is going to lead us exactly where it where it should lead us. And you mentioned you had a plan, yes, but God had a better <laughs> better plan. So you didn't, you know, you didn't set your sight on this. You didn't know it was going to come, but you did what you needed to do for what was most important in your life, which was your family. And it ultimately set you on this path to becoming president and CEO of United Way of Delaware and a job that you love and enjoy <laughs> that you never, you know, you didn't see this coming. Um, so I think, I think that's a great lesson for our listeners to be able to take away from what you shared. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we could try following the money or, you know, I, I mentor some, um, I would say some younger leaders and they have where they think they should be three years from now and five years from now, 10 years from now. And the reality is, um, you know, I try to get them to try to focus on like, what's their real purpose? Why do they set those goals there? What do they want to achieve? And I can just tell you from my own experience, when um, one of my, my had a new boss, um, several years back and he my first dinner meeting with him he said oh I want to help you achieve your goals where do you want to be five years from now and I said in the will of God mm -hmm. and he said okay but no but tell me where do you want to be I was still chief operating officer mm -hmm. he said tell me where do you want to you know be like do you want to be president CEO where do you you know where tell me where you want to go and I'll help you and I said, you know, maybe, you know, that, that could be an aspiration, but really I want you to know first and foremost, I just want to be in the will of God and wherever that leads me and takes me, mm -hmm. I'm willing to go there. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because he really didn't know how to take me at first, but him and I ended up having a great relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it, it set the value and the boundaries from the beginning of our relationship so that he could understand what my value system was and how I operated and then how I led and how I connected and then how that actually created our relationship together. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really powerful. Your authenticity, you know, helped to support the relationship that you developed with him. That's really good. So that's another takeaway for our listeners <laughs> to get. So I'm trying to read you know, in between the lines to find the nuances of what you're sharing, to pull out, you know, these strategies and tips that our listeners will be able to, to utilize in their own lives. Now, along this, this path that you've taken, uh, obviously there have been um, some challenges. What's something that you can share with our listeners that, you know, you faced and a strategy that you use to overcome that challenge and then the resulting success that you experienced? Well, I, you know, I, I'll tell you this. One of the biggest challenges in the role, and I think for most public figures, is when I was the chief financial officer, I was behind the scenes primarily, right? So no one really necessarily knew who Michelle Taylor was. and But when I became the chief operating officer, and then ultimately the CEO, where I had more external presence, you know, the coaching and the advice that I got from the beginning is people don't distinguish me, right, from who I am at home and who I am at work. The word you just used, right, I got to show up every day as my authentic me and myself. And the feedback, you know, that 
that you know was given was I got to think about who's in my circle now and and who do I let in and who do I really let to know the real Michelle right and how much do I communicate externally and that was a boundary I would tell you and a struggle I think people just think when you come to work every day that life is just perfect and you you're you're expected to some degree to lead as if the world is perfect. And not that we're not transparent to be able to say there's issues and challenges, but it's that whole thing where people never let, um, never let people see you sweat. Um, a few years ago, really was going through, you know, we were having some real um, difficulties and challenges. And I'll never forget one of my um, board members, that was his feedback. He was like, internally and externally, we need you to lead. We need you to show up. We need you to basically to not waver, you know, don't let the, the weight of the issues, don't let people see that getting you. People need to see that you're strong and people need to see that you still have things under control. And um, it, it, that, that becomes, right, this whole part about being authentic to your point and do some sharing with people and the balance between still giving people this confident world looks great story right right so how did you how did you manage that <laughs> well you know it's so interesting because the meeting that i had with this individual who i highly respect and we consider him a great um coach and mentor is he said look you already have a circle right you're you're we already know you have your faith you have your family and so you want to lean on that circle. And that's just what I did. So I, I, you know, I talk about a village a lot and the village is extremely, extremely important. You know, I have so many great, I'm, I'm so fortunate. I have so many great, um, I would say, girlfriends and those that are evenly yoked. And so, you know, allowing myself in some safe space to be me and to talk through my my trials, tribulations, hurts, pains, and the likes, and, and given space to do it. And then yet, then they're my cheerleader, right, to replace that with, okay, you got this, you, you can do this, here's what the word says, walk by faith, not by sight, or whatever the encouragement was. And it really did honestly get me through, mm -hmm. so that when I walked into meetings, I could interact, um, and then have some space actually really still to kind of be me. And I think, um, I think everyone actually needs that. I also used an opportunity to be a little tr more transparent with people about, um, and, and I think that that actually helped me be a little more relatable. So if it's the things I will say, you know, um, not that long ago, I had shared with people that says, you know, I, I have happily married now for you know, 33 years. And I said, my kids and, you know, we raise them in the church and you send them off to college and you expect them to come back and your families and you're rooted. But what happens when mental illness creeps into your family? And what happens when your best friend, who was my sister, gets diagnosed with bipolar? And what turmoil does that take for your family? And how do you deal with it and cope with it? And then show up every day to still keep moving. Right. You know, what happens when you send your son off to college and, you know, he comes back with a bachelor's degree and a JD and an MBA, and yet at the same time, you know, struggles with alcoholism, you know, in the process. Like, you get hit with stuff that you didn't see coming, mm -hmm. and yet 
you have to figure out, you know, it rocks you for a second. And then you got to figure out, well, how do I navigate the new norm? And what does it look like? And um, again, in some cases, it expanded my village because I got to be more transparent in a space of other people who were dealing with mental illness or other people who's, who had dealt with themselves or their kids dealing with addiction. And, and I'll never forget this. I had a conversation even with someone at the church. I didn't know them. And I was talking to them on a professional side. And this particular day, for my very first meeting with them, somehow I just started talking about, I'm not even sure how we got here, about I was dealing with something with my son on this particular day for addiction. And she was like, oh my goodness, I am going through something similar. Mm -hmm. And she was, and in the conversation, she was like, I didn't have anyone I could talk to. I didn't have anyone that I could be transparent with. I haven't told a whole lot of people about this. Mm -hmm. And so it made me realize, right, that we're all going through things. And sometimes we're, we, you know, there's this myth that we have to hold it all in and we have to act like we have it all together. Mm -hmm. But I think there's healing um, in the process of really trying to, to be honest and real Mm -hmm. And you also realize that there's so many other people going through the same things. And it, it really has created some new friendships and some new networks that didn't exist before. Mm. Yeah. So having that safe space outside of work, a circle that you can be you with and get the help and support that you need. So you can show up at work the way you need to show up at work. Um, which doesn't mean you can't be transparent there, but obviously there's some boundaries there that that's right. <laughs> you know that that you want to honor and be respectful of, um, so that the people you work with will honor and be respectful of those boundaries as well, um, and also recognizing that that sometimes life is going to kind of take you in some directions that you didn't anticipate, and while that journey might be a rough one. Um, that you can get through it, but the importance of having a support system and being open to that network, even expanding in ways that, that you didn't anticipate um, are all important lessons. You know, as women, we like to, I was, maybe we don't like to take on the world, but we will take on the world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we'll try to be all and do all um, to the detriment of ourselves at times. So um, yeah, I appreciate you um, being transparent in this conversation and sharing those details and hope that, you know, our listeners are, are really hearing and, and, and listening to what you're saying um, and taking heed to it. Um, so I want to ask you to share um, one of your self-care strategies. Um, you know, given what you shared with us already, what is something that you do um, or try to do consistently just to, to make sure that you're okay? Yeah, so one of the things that I do is I'm on a prayer call Monday through Friday, 5.30 every morning with a group of women. We call ourselves Iron Sisters, Iron Sharpens Iron. And that I do religiously. I mean, it keeps me centered. Um, obviously, um, we're all, we're real and transparent, um, but it's not only helps um, strengthen my faith, 
but they're great friends. We add humor into it, mm-hmm. but we, they've been there, I think, you know, for each other. Um, we've been there for each other on some of our toughest days and toughest challenges, but also we celebrate with each other mm-hmm. on some of our high moments. And that actually keeps me centered before I go into work to take on the day. And so that's my first self-care thing that I do religiously. And it's probably the best self-care thing that I do religiously, honestly. I'm working on trying to, um, right behind that workout every day and try to get a 30-minute quick walk-in or some exercise. I wish I could say I was doing that as faithfully, but I don't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it seems that you are committed to doing the thing that helps you the most. So that's probably... Absolutely. Yes. So what's next for you? In my ideal world, retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I don't really know. You know, it's what I said before. I really don't know what's next for me. Mm I am living my best life right now, right? I've worked with some amazing people. Um, I have some amazing friends. And, And as I said, you know, I, I don't think my work is done yet still at United Way, you know, why we're advocating and champion to help more people find their own voice, to close the equity gap that exists, to really to bring more attention really around this issue of social mobility and how do more people have it, particularly those that um, come from our most marginalized community. Mm-hmm. I really don't believe that zip codes should matter Um, when it comes to people's trajectory. But the reality is the wealth divide is greater than it's ever been. I think, you know, our current political platform doesn't help that. And so, you know, I, without no doubt, I believe that there are some legacy things that I've left at United Way and within the community. And, but there's, you know, hopefully I can um, close that gap a little bit more. And and I really want to make sure that I can firmly pass the baton into the next generation of leaders. I have a heart for um, young people. And I say young people, young adults, young professionals, and I mentor a few of them. And so I, I look forward to working alongside of them, learning from them, them learning from me. But you know, when you think about where we are as a community, how far we've come as people, we're standing on the shoulders of some great individuals. Hopefully some people are standing on ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, there's still much to do. But I'll still tell you that when I think about um, where I am in my life cycle, kind of where I was, a, you know, several years ago, as my kids are now starting to have babies and grandkids are are a part of our family. Family is extremely important to um, my husband and I. And so we also are thinking about how do we um, make sure that we're spending more time with them and what does that look like for us in the future? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so retirement would definitely help with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, people tell me I'm too young to retire. I said, well, given my age, like retirement is more closer, you know, in view than it was when I started my career. Right. right. You know, um, now over 30 years ago, it's so hard to be able to say that. So I said, no, no, I want to see retirement in view. I yes. understand it's today, um, but it needs to be in view. Yes. And you want to be young enough to enjoy it too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we're going to switch to um, our wordplay segment. So I'm going to share two words or phrases with you that I want you um, to then share your immediate thoughts or reflections on what those words mean to you. So the first phrase is servant leadership. Yeah, so that, that, that's a good one. Um, I think that that's people who serve with humility, um, who are put others before themselves. Okay. And then the, the second word is uplift. Great. So when I think of uplift, I think of those that empower, who inspire, who, but do it in a real, genuine, and authentic way that people can connect to them and relate and they're relatable. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Now, as we bring the interview to a close, I want to make sure that the women who are tuning in, um, who are interested in supporting the work that you're doing or finding out more about what you're doing or even, you know, how they might be able um, to, to do similar work um, in their communities and resources that might be available to them, to be able to connect with you. How might people find you online and reach out to you? It's a great question. So, you know, um, people can find me through, they can find me through Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm trying to do a much better job. I was just on LinkedIn this morning with being more prompt with responding to people. So that's the easy way to get me personally. But they can also find out more about my work just by visiting the United Way website. Mm-hmm. And they can also reach and access me that way too. Okay. Okay, great. And we'll make sure that that URL is available to listeners in the show notes um, so they can connect with you. But Michelle, I thank you so much for joining us today um, and for sharing your story so authentically um, and just being so open about your experiences. And my hope and prayer is that, again, that our listeners, you know, were able to really listen in on what you were sharing because you, you dropped a lot of value today in what you shared. So I'm so appreciative of that. Nope, I'm appreciative for the opportunity, Shavira. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for Women Who Launch and Lead with Dr. Sharita Weatherspoon. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave your positive review so we can continue to bring you impactful and powerful content. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Coach Sharita. Learn more about how you can work with Dr. Sharita at sharitaweatherspoon.com. As always, learn, launch, lead.